0: Okay, we are in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read verse 15. And we covered part of verse 15 last time. We're going to look at it a little bit differently this time. Acts chapter 16, verse 15. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying... If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Last week we talked about hospitality and how the scriptures are just filled with the need, that, that, that with, with this admonition for us to be hospitable. It's not just kind advice. We are commanded to be hospitable. And then we we saw several instances in the Scriptures about that. But I want to look at something different. And it's really important that we think about this issue that I'm about to share with you because it has destroyed many lives. Many lives have have been destroyed. Good lives have been destroyed because of this issue. And as I thought about this, she she says, Come into my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. So here's this woman... Uh, uh, Lydia, who just got saved in, in verse 14. And she's saying, come on into my house and stay. Now, there's four men. There is Paul and Silas, the two that had originally set out. And then there is uh, Timothy, who they had picked up along the way, who was helping one, a young man. And then there was also Luke. So Luke is now traveling with them. And that's why it turns to this point saying, uh, 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 she urged us to go and stay with her. And so there's these four men are being invited into this woman's house, and she, she says, if you judge me to be faithful. There were four men there. There was not one man going into a woman's home. Now, not only this, we know probably that the woman was quite wealthy and had many servants because it says that she and her whole household had been baptized and she was probably a fairly wealthy uh, uh, businesswoman because she had come from Thyatira, this, this land where, where, uh, where this purple fabric was actually developed. And she was probably there in Philippi for some time doing business. But they go and they stay in her home. And as I began to think about this, I thought of the covering that comes with being with other believers. Um, one of the things that, that I try not to do, and I'll give you a few examples, is, is if, somebody, if some woman is in my office, the door is open. So if I'm in my office with a woman, whether that woman is a student or whether that woman is 60 years old, the door is open to my office. But if I'm in there with other people, so say I'm in there with a few other guys and there's a woman, that's fine. We can be in a closed room. But I'm not going to be in my office alone with a woman. And I've already told my secretary, and every time I get a new secretary that works for me, I make it clear with that secretary the way I want the office run. And one of the things is, if a female walks into my office and shuts the door behind her, get up immediately and open the door. So the door stays open. And I say to them, I will probably meet you at the door because I'll be on my way to open the door as well. The door stays open when there's a female coming into my office. I just don't want any impression that something is going on behind that closed door. The Bible says, you are to be free of the appearance of evil. And it's not like I feel like, oh, I'm going to jump on this student as soon as she shuts the door, or that she's going to jump on me. But the other thing that I do is, uh, if you... Ever looked at the outside of my office door? It says, "It says recording in process, video recording in process," and I have a camera even in my office. And you say, "Well, this is going a bit, you know, far." Well, it's not a real obvious camera, but there is a sign on the door, and it's a camera that's very small. and can't see, but everything is recorded in the office, and that was originally put in for security purposes because of the nature of the work that we were doing. But it actually comforts me a lot to know that everything is recorded. And I've shared this with other businessmen, and either they do the same thing, or they say, yes, they need to set up the same system. And it's not that anybody's watching on this TV screen. That my, my, my lab manager has the video system in his office, and he doesn't even keep the TV on generally. But everything is recorded, and over a period of a couple months, it'll get recorded over and things like that. But this helps me, and it helps with the security uh, in in just the relationship and the propriety of relationships. Let me talk a little bit and show you from the scriptures what the scriptures have to say about this. And I haven't talked about this sort of topic for well over a year. And you you know, at at one point I did a a, a six part series on scriptural sexual ethics That is recorded, that is on my website, and you could go to it, and I'm not going to get into that today. But I had not talked about anything like that for years, and then I did a six-part series, and people were saying, how come all you ever talk about is sex? And so, well, maybe because you're college students? (laughs) But but so I've just backed off of that topic, but now we're just going to look at what the Scriptures say. Turn to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 13. And as you're turning there to 2 Samuel chapter 13, uh, let me just say that Paul went into this woman's house, but he was covered in that there were three other guys with him. There were three other people traveling with him. Let's look at one thing that can happen, and here's how attacks on women can come. In 2 Samuel chapter 13. And now, remember, David had several wives. King David had several wives. From one of his wives... He had a a, a son named Amnon from some others, from another one of his wives. uh, uh, He had a daughter named Tamar and a a son named Absalom. And so he had, there were several half brothers and sisters living in the palace there. And Amnon is, is one of David's sons and in fact the oldest. And then Tamar is one of David's daughters from another wife. David had, I don't know, something like six or seven wives. So, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. Now, it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill, for she was a virgin, and it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. Okay, so think of the context here. Here is... is uh, um, Amnon, he's fallen in love with his half-sister. Now, for him to marry his half-sister was okay in those days. But he was so in love with her, so frustrated because he couldn't touch her and he wanted her so badly that he made himself ill. You say, oh, this, how can this be? Look, I know how this can be. A, a young man can have such affection... For a woman, that he becomes ill just thinking about. It. He just cannot get his mind off this young lady. You say, "Yo, oh, this doesn't happen often." It happens all the time. It happened to me. It did happen to me when I first met Shireen and, and uh, we, we first talked. My heart was just pounding, and I couldn't get this young lady off my mind. It was, it was just like. The old Popeye movies, when he would see olive oil, his heart would just come bursting out of his chest. And my chest would just pound when I was around her. And and I couldn't get my mind off this beautiful girl who was so sweet. This happens to young men. So much so that you can get sick over it. And this happens. I don't know, does it ever happen to young women that they, they love a guy so much that they make themselves sick? Does that ever happen to young women? Is there anyone here that would even admit it if it did happen? Does anyone know of someone else that it happened to? Okay. There's one person knew of someone else that it happened to. Okay. And, and uh, so this can happen. So the scriptures are quite vivid and really quite accurate. This can happen. All right. So let's see what happens. But Amnon, in verse 3, had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shema. David's brother, and Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He said to him, O son of the king, why are you so depressed, morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Then Amnon said to him, I am in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonadab then said, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. When your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat, and let her prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and may eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight so that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent to the house for Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. And she took dough, kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. She took the pan and and dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the food, took the cakes, which she had made and brought them into the house to her brother Amnon. When she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold, you from my, with, he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not listen to her since he was stronger than she. He violated her and he lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, for the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go away. But she said to him, No, because this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you have done to me. Yet he would not listen to her. Then he called his young man who attended him and said, Now throw this woman out of my presence. And he locked the door behind her. Now she had on a long-sleeved garment for an this man of the virgin daughters of the king dressed themselves in robes. Then his attendant took her out, took her out and locked the door behind her. Tamar put on ashes on her head and tore her long-sleeved garment which was on her, and she put her hand on her head and went about crying aloud as she went. Then Absalom her brother said to her, "Has Amnon your brother been with you? But now keep silent, my sister. Here's your brother. Do not take this matter to heart." So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now when the king heard of all these matters, he was very angry. But Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. And so, uh, uh, after, after uh, some time, Amnon, uh, Absalom goes ahead and kills Amnon, his brother, for what he had done. Has him killed. But you look at this story and you say, hey, this is really quite amazing. So he feigns sickness. He has her come into the house and she cooks this food for him. And then he has everyone go out and he says, well, bring it to me in my bedroom. So she brings it to him in his bedroom and then he says, come lie with me. And she says, no, you can't do this. And she says, y- you, know, you-, you know, this is not right. And so he rapes her. After he rapes her, he all of a sudden doesn't love her anymore. It's just that the, the hatred that he had for her was greater than the love that he had. You say, how can, how can people be like this? I assure you, men can be like this. Men can say, I love you. And then women will yield themselves saying, well, he says he loves me. And then as soon as they've yielded themselves, he doesn't love you anymore. This is quite normal. This can happen. It is right here in the Bible. There is this warning. This can happen. Men can so seduce women in this way by saying, I love you. Men, you've got to be careful about saying, I love you, and realize what that means. Remember, that means that I love you so much that I'm willing to spend the rest of my life with you and share everything that I have with you. If this is not what you mean, this is not then scriptural love and you ought not to say it. And then women, men can very much be like this. After they've had their fill, they can begin to hate. And women are like, What is with this person? I yielded myself. I gave him what he wanted. It is right here in the Bible. Women, protect yourself. She was alone in the house with him. She didn't have a whole lot of option. You have options who you're going to be alone with. You spend time alone in an apartment with someone of the opposite sex, staying up late, studying at night. Your feet can begin to touch underneath the desk as you're studying. Your legs can begin to rub up next to each other's legs, and you can end up in bed together and regret it very, very much. These things happen all the time. It is right here in the scriptures. And then he has her thrown out and she has to then, because of the disgrace, she has to, because of that culture, is much harder than the culture is now. She had to remain a, a, a unmarried the rest of her life because of that disgrace. And so what she's saying is at least marry me now after what you've done and you'd have nothing to do with it. Let's turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. I have seen so many good Christian men and good Christian women fall into immorality. And it destroys their lives. Absolutely destroys the life. And so what God does is there are three Proverbs back to back. Proverbs 5, half of 6, And all of seven that address these issues and let's just see what the scriptures say and see if we can see some things that could protect us Proverbs chapter five reading from verse one my son give attention to my wisdom incline your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulterer strip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways are unstable, she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Or you will give your vigor to others, your years, years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. And you will groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, how I have hated instruction. And my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Okay, so the scripture is crying out saying, listen to me, hear me on this issue. Hear me, don't neglect this. Don't neglect what I'm saying to you. It says, The lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she's bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet will go down to death and her steps lay hold of Sheol. She seems so good. She seems so good. The way she speaks. It says, Ah, um... Just the way she speaks will attract you. You know, men, you will see women that you say, wow, they just, just the way they speak is so attractive. It just attracts me in. The Bible says that you can end up in real trouble. Just look at our nation. Look at the people who have fallen in the recent past. Look at evangelists who have fallen. Look at politicians who have fallen. And you say, this is such a mess. What would make the guy do this? Let me tell you, guys do this all the time. If you are a believer, there is terrible destruction that you bring into your life, believer or unbeliever, by committing adultery. You say, well, I'm not, this issue doesn't deal with me because I'm not married yet. Well, there are big problems that come doing it outside of marriage as well. Big, big problems. But in marriage, it happens all the time in Christian couples and it destroys lives. It says that in verse 8, keep your way far from her. Do not go near the doorway of her house. Don't go near another woman's house. Men, don't let yourself be found in, another, in, in, in someone else's home when the woman is there. Don't let yourself be found there all alone with her. You know, and, and it's important that you stay away. Let me give you another example that when I was in graduate school, there was a a, a couple upstairs and they were having some marital problems. And I would counsel some with the guys and with the guy. And and they were believers. And uh, and uh, the young lady sometimes in the evening would come down and, and talk with Shireen and I. And Shireen said to me, I don't like the way she looks at you. What are you talking about? She was just coming and, and she and I would pray for her. She said, I don't like the way she looks at you. And when she comes to her house, she's always wearing these short shorts and she's got, got you know this, 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 this top that's, that's too open. And uh, uh, Shireen is very sensitive to this thing. And I'll tell you, if young ladies come to this class and, and they're, they're not dressed quite right, she'll tell them, you know, put a sweater on. You know, pull up your shirt there. Shireen will do this, and I'm thankful that she does this, because young ladies at times need to be taught things. And if you're not taught, how do you learn? And it is good what she does, and I'm proud of her that she does it. Because sometimes young ladies don't realize that the way they dress really can cause a young man's mind to wander way out. And she, says, she said to me, I don't like the way she looks at you, and I was thinking, oh, come on. You know, she's just coming here for prayer. I have learned over the years that when Shireen says that, she has this sixth sense, she knows exactly what's happening because a woman knows what another woman is thinking. A man may not know, but a woman really knows what's going on. And sometimes when I see a man, the way he's talking to another woman, I know what that man is thinking. She doesn't know, but I know what he's thinking. And that's why I enjoy having other Christian men around me, because they keep me from saying things that I ought not to say. Because when they're with me, there's some accountability, because I know that they're going to know. And lo and behold, I was at work one day, and this woman calls me at work, and I was in the lab. I was just a graduate student, and she says, "Uh, Joe just beat me. That was her husband. Joe just beat me, and and I need you. And I said, no, I can't come. She says, I have bruises all over my body and you need to see them. What am I, a physician? But you know what? My heart is thinking, yeah, you know, I, I've got to go and help this young lady. But I had known enough from the Scriptures that this isn't good. And I said, okay, I'll send Shireen. I don't want Shireen. I said, okay, I'll send such and such another woman from the. I don't want her. I want you. And then even this dense mind knew what was happening and I hung up the phone and I called Shereen and, and, and told Shereen deal with this young lady. And I had nothing to do with her ever again. It says, don't go near the door of her house. I could have gone in there and said, oh, I'm tough. She could never seduce me. What are you talking about? I would just be like, like pudding. I mean, you're you're in the home alone with a young lady who wants to seduce you. I don't know a man who, who could resist this very much. Unless you do like Joseph and you've made a commitment that as soon as it happens, I'm going to run. Don't even go near her house. Don't even give it the opportunity. You say, I don't worry about whether I'm going to jump on a woman just because the office door is shut. But I don't even want to have any wrong impression here, let alone going into her home. It says, don't go near the door of her house. Look in verse 9. Or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one, and strangers will be filled with your strength, and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien, and you'll groan at your final end. I have seen this so many times. Men who get caught in adultery, Christian men, their lives are dirt after that. Absolute dirt. The great thing that you have is that you are young, you're not yet married. If I said this in the church, there would be a bunch of the guys there just feel so convicted. I'm telling you this happens in the church all the time. I don't know what the numbers are of how many men fall into immorality in marriage in the church. I don't know what the numbers are. Probably the numbers are known. I wouldn't be surprised if it's over 20%. I wouldn't be surprised if it's over 30%. This is a real problem. And women, if you think, oh, well, the man I marry wouldn't do it, well, you better fall on your knees and say, God, forgive me for being so proud and protect my husband and protect my marriage. And I've had many students come to me to tell me that their spouses, they just found out were cheating on them. And those those students coming to me were not women graduate students, they were men. I have had multiple men graduate students who are in the lab all day and their wives are out cheating on them. So this is not a one-way street. It goes both ways. And in both cases that I can remember, in, in two, of the, two of the three cases, the, the couples were Christian couples. It says, don't go near her house or your hard-earned goods are going to go to the house of an alien. You take some recent politicians who have fallen I mean, the woman's out there making a ton of money right now because she was a prostitute and now she's got music downloads, I mean, millions of dollars in book contracts and TV and magazines. And this guy's resigned from his job. And his life is dirt. Absolute dirt. And this is what the Scriptures warn us. Your years are going to go to the cruel one and strangers will be filled with your strength. Young men, you participate in this thing, you're going to lose everything. Remember that. You see somebody who's attractive to you, you want to break your marital covenant, break your vows, and you think, oh, that wouldn't do for me. If I have a wife at home, I don't need anybody. Oh, yeah? Your hearts are stinking wicked. And I know that because they're just like my hearts. My heart. And I have to guard and protect my heart and protect my family. You will lose everything, the Bible says. Everything. Your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. The guy's no longer in his political post. It's gone to another man. And he's losing everything. And he may also have have, uh, uh, lawsuits against him. And then it talks about, in the end of chapter 5, how just enjoy the wife of your youth. Look in verse 15 of Acts chapter 5. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your spring be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the street, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. Remember that. Everything you do, God sees. There is no secret to God. His own iniquities will capture him, will capture the wicked, and he will be held by the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. This is what the scriptures tell us. Look now, in in verse in in chapter six, we're going to pick it up in chapter six from verse twenty-three, Proverbs six twenty-three. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and reproofs for discipline are a way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For an account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. You remember this, young man. If you go into another man's wife, you sleep with another man's wife, God promises you will not go unpunished. Does this put the fear of God in us? How much more explicit do we need God to be than to come in front of our face and say, I will not leave you unpunished. When you start thinking like this, Remember these words. You want to go mess around with another woman? God will not leave you unpunished. You say, well, I'm not married yet. You have plenty to be worried about because that woman is somebody's daughter. That girl is somebody's precious daughter. You mess around with somebody's precious daughter, God will not leave you unpunished. And you are to initiate as the man, you are to initiate boundaries. Say, it is not good that I'm there alone with you. We can go meet in the student center. We can go meet in Starbucks. We can be alone. With lots of other people around. That's how we'll be alone. Because I know how wicked your hearts are because I know my own heart and it's just like your heart. You protect yourself. And you protect yourself in relationships. And it says in verse 25 of Proverbs 6, Do not desire her beauty in your heart See, it starts with the heart. You start desiring the beauty in the heart. And then it starts to undress her in the mind. This is what happens. And when that happens, you have to guard specifically. Remember what God said. You will not go unpunished. You will lose what you have. The things that you will work for will end up in the house of a foreigner. When I see men who have been walking in adultery... Their lives are just absolute dirt. It's exposed. At some point, it comes out. And the way people look at them is never the same. And they never rekindle the respect they formerly had. Never. People always look at them with... How could you have done that to that lady? How could you have done that to that family of yours? They never rekindle the respect that they had. Never. Never. You want to mess with these things? You want to mess with God's law? This is what's before us. Look in in, in, uh, chapter 7, Proverbs chapter 7. Now, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live, and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say the wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend, that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Let's stop right there. He says... Listen, I'm giving you treasures of commandments here. In verse 4, Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Why? Because your sister, your sister will tell you, that woman needs, means no good for you. My wife pointed out, that woman, I don't like the way she looks at you. And several times in my marriage, my wife has forewarned me about certain women. I see nothing. Goodness, there's nothing here. And, 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 you know, I don't know what you're thinking, but it's not like there's tons of women hitting on me, all right? <laughs> but once in a while, we've been married 26 years, so a few times, like three or four. And it's not for reasons, and, 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 it, and it doesn't go because I'm handsome. It doesn't happen because of money. It happens because of things we, we can't really place, all right? So that can dispel your beliefs, your your, your thoughts, what you're thinking. But Shireen sees it and she warns me. And I used to just blow it off. And now every time she's dead on because women see what's in other women's hearts. That's why he says, call wisdom your sister. Your sister will warn you. You say, that woman means you no good. Call wisdom your sister. Call understanding your intimate friend that they may keep you from the adulteress for the foreigner who flatters with her words. Flattery. I'm telling you, women, be careful what you say to men about them. Because one little word of flattery, the man melts. I am telling you, the man melts. All you have to do is say to a guy, you're funny. The guy will think about you for a week. I'm not kidding. She, She thinks I'm funny. You're strong. She thinks I'm strong. Yeah. She's right. You're a sharp guy. You're really intelligent. woman, you say that to a man, he's going to think, she's really quite perceptive. I am. I am an intelligent guy. He's going to think something of himself. This is so insidious. It is really amazing. I, I can give you a personal example of this. And, and, and maybe I'll say, so you can see how wicked this thing is. I go to the dentist's office. And the reception you know, the dentist's office, is, they're supposed to look at your teeth, right? I mean, this is what they do. Well, the receptionist says, you have nice teeth. Well, I really don't have nice teeth. It's because of, you know, thousands of dollars of dental work as I was a teenager that made me have nice teeth. They weren't naturally like this. So, but all day I'm thinking about this. You say, you know, you're like almost 50 years old. Yes. This is how wicked our hearts are. You flatter one little bit a young man and their, their lives will just melt before you. So you have to be careful what you say, you have to be careful what you say to them, because they just a little bit of flattery can just just make a man melt, and so men remember how susceptible your heart is to flattery, how it can make your heart melt, and especially if it's one of those days where, where what happens in every family where the man and the woman had some argument that morning. And you went out and all of a sudden there's a woman out there that appreciates you. And you think, my wife doesn't appreciate me this way. She's never noticed how funny I am. She's never commented how big my muscles are. She's never commented with, you know, how intelligent I am. And here this woman appreciates. She appreciates me. Well, let me tell you. In the end, that woman who appreciates you, she's going to be bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and she's going to drag you into the grave with her. Plus, on top of all of that, God's not going to leave you unpunished. How does that do for the flattery? Verse 6. For at the window of my house I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naïve, and I discerned among the youth a young man lacking sense passing through the street near her corner. He takes the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot, cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him, and with brazen face she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Therefore, I have come come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings and colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey, and he's taken a bag of money with him, and the full moon will... uh, At the full moon, he will come home. And with her many persuasions, she entices him. And with her flattering lips, she seduces him. Okay, so let's look at some of the characteristics of what happens. He's naive because the first thing he does is he says in verse 8, I saw the young man passing through the street near her corner and he takes the way to her house. Stay away from her house. Stay away from where she lives. You don't have to go near where she lives. And I've done this sort of thing myself. And I've told this story before when I was in college, you know, I was praying about, you know, oh, maybe, maybe this is the girl that you have for me, Lord. And, and I just happened to go to her dormitory to eat. And well, if I see her there, then maybe this is a sign. Well, you know, I set the thing up. You know, I'm all the way on the other side of campus in one dorm where I should be eating we're allowed to eat in any door, but I happen to go over there to just kind of make it easier for God to show me this sign. Men do this sort of thing. And then it says, she comes out, she's not dressed quite properly. Look in verse 10. She's dressed as a, as a harlot. And uh, uh, she's boisterous and rebellious. Now, now look what she says in verse 13. So she seizes him and kisses him. And with a... She seizes him and kisses So she grabs him and gives him a kiss. I mean, you talk about making a man's heart melt. I mean, this happened to me in church one day. There was one of these women that Shireen was very queasy about. And I walked over to say hello to her. And she kissed me on the cheek. And Shireen was standing, you know, a few rows behind me. And I, you know, I didn't ask her to kiss. You know, it took that for me to realize that my wife was right. This was a different woman from the woman that was upstairs. This was a different woman. But this was another one that she was really queasy about. And from that day, I just stayed away. She kissed him on the cheek. And uh, women, you have no business kissing another man on the cheek. If it's not your husband, don't be kissing men on the cheek. And and uh, uh it, it says that... um in verse 14, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Okay, so she's a, she's a Christian. She went to church. Hey, I went to church today. That doesn't necessarily make it right. And just because the guy goes to church doesn't make it necessarily make him the right guy. All of a sudden, what's she doing talking about peace offerings? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a holy too. That doesn't make it right. Therefore, I've come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and i found you. If a woman starts to show you attention, young man, just remember, that is part of the flattery that is there to cause you to melt. Because we feel like, hey, she really recognizes something in me. I didn't recognize anything in myself, and she just recognizes this in me. And then she starts to talk about her bed. I've spread my couch with coverings with colored linens of Egypt. And this happens if somebody starts to talk about their bedroom. Watch out. Let warning flags go up. You say, well, this doesn't really happen. I'll give you an example. One day I went, and I went to pick up my daughter from these people's home. And my daughter was little. She was, so she's, she's 24 now, and she must have been about four or five years old. And... I commented to the woman, so I'm standing in front of her house, and I commented to the woman, I said, this is really a nice house, you got, cause it was this open field, I said, you got a lot of open room here, and she had her two little boys with, with her. She said, oh come in, let me just show you the house. So I go in, and, and, she, and she brings me then into the bedroom. She says, this is my bedroom. And I had this really weird feeling. And I grabbed my daughter, and I went home. And it turns out that after about six months, I hear that this woman is starting to sleep around and she's left her husband. Well, it doesn't surprise me from what I saw, the actions that she took. I mean, the first thing she wanted to do was bring me into her bedroom. You see, well, this, this is strange. This doesn't happen all that. It doesn't happen all the time to me. But it only takes once to totally mess up your life, to totally mess up your marriage. Then she says, you know, my husband's not home. He's gone on a long journey. You're not going to get caught. And then it says in verse 21, with her many persuasions, she entices him, and her flattering lips, she seduces him. Remember, men, it is your job. In the Song of Solomon, the man says, do not arouse or awaken my love until it's proper time. It is the man who is saying this. It is the man who has to put bounds on the relationship. and says, we will not go there. And establish this early on. And men, if the woman doesn't respect this, you don't want her. Because if she's that loose, you don't want her. Because if you end up marrying her, she's going to end up sleeping with your friends. And women, if there's not a man who's going to set boundaries and acknowledge boundaries from the beginning, you don't want that man. Or else you're going to end up like Tamar. And then he's going to hate you more than the hatred, he's going to have more hatred for you than the love with which he had loved you. Verse 22. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare. So he does not know it that it will cost him his life. This is the cost of it. This is the cost of immorality. I don't know how many, how many in this room are going to undergo the pain of adultery in their married lives. I don't know. I don't know how many of you are going, to under, are going to become adulterers and adulteresses. I don't know how many of you are going to be an innocent party where the spouse has gone astray. But I pray it doesn't happen. And that's why it says you are to take these teachings... As it says in chapter 7, verse 1, And treasure my commandments. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your finger. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That means you wrap them up here. And you write them on the tablet of your heart. That means again and again you go through these things. You go through these things with yourself, with your spouse. Let it be ever before you. Because we have a tendency to hear a message. And to think, okay, I've got it. And then the power of that message dissipates over time. It says, this teaching, you are to bind it, like you would bind something around your finger and write it on the tablet of your heart. That's what you need to do to protect your life, to protect your marriage, to keep you going in the right way. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the firm warning in Your Scriptures about how you will so oppose us and not leave us unpunished if we are to walk in immorality. Father, I pray for the young men here that you would make them men of God who would take these teachings, that they would meditate on it and never forget. And so that they would flee immorality. And Father, I pray for these young women that first of all, you protect them from being raped like Tamar was. Protect them from being raped on dates. Protect them from being abused by young men. Cover them by Your blood. Father, I pray the covering of the blood of Jesus over these young women to protect them from the hearts and the power of evil men. And Father, I pray that You would protect these young women. And so grant them good husbands in Your time after Your own choosing. And grant them good homes that they would not... See their husbands being led astray. Father, I pray for these young men and these young women that they would not go through the pain of divorce in their marriages because of immorality. Father, protect them, I pray. Let them take these teachings and bind them around, uh, around their fingers, writing it on the tablet of their hearts, keeping it as the apple of their eye. Father, lest they give their years to the cruel ones, And lest another man's house enjoy all their work and their labors. Father, protect them, I pray. Father, protect us. May your mercies be upon us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.